At Fountain Springs Church, we want to show people who Jesus is, wherever they are. We believe that anyone and everyone matters, and that's why we have a goal as a church to reach at least 10% of the more than 50,000 people in the Black Hills region who don't know who God is yet. But to do this, we believe we're gonna have to think a little bit differently about how to do church. And one of the places that's happening is right here at our online location. Think about this, we live in a world fueled by technology where we can meet with people on the other side of the globe anytime we want from the comfort of our own living room. What if church existed online as more than just streaming video? What if we could meet together, learn together, we could fellowship together, and even serve together online? What if you could have someone pray over you right there in your living room? Right here, people from all over the world are watching together the exact same service at the exact same time. To your right, you'll see a chat window. There we can interact in real time. You can share your questions, praises, even your struggles with fellow believers. We even have a team of volunteer hosts who will guide you through the service, who can have that conversation with you, who can answer your questions, and even pray with you one-on-one. -on -one. Thanks to technology, we're able to share the gospel with more people than ever before. So join us online as we learn together who Jesus is. Welcome to Fountain Springs. We're so glad you're here with us. If you would, go ahead and stand with us as we sing a few songs together. Help us out. Put your hands together.
taught you this song last week. It's just a great reminder that God is our defense and he fights for us. Let's sing this today as we're reminded of that. You make a way when I cannot see. You are my strength. Though my heart is weak, you won't let go. You take my place on this battlefield. You go before, you're my sword, my shield. I'm not alone. You fight for me.
Can we thank him for that together? Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for singing with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. It's couches and porches and kitchen tables. It's stories shared and moments worth remembering. It's hoping and praying and taking chances. It's laughter and tears and friends to talk to at the end of the day. It's ears to listen and hands to help you get up when you fall. It's questions and answers and idle knows. It's knowing you don't have to figure it out all by yourself. It's messy and imperfect. It's giving and serving and growing better. Together. together. It's life. And we weren't meant to do it alone. Life, life is better together. We believe in being irrationally generous with our time and also with our resources. When we do this, we are able to make a lasting impact in the lives of those close to us and also those far away. I'm Katie, the Outreach Director here at Fountain Springs Church, and I wanted to share with you all about how your generosity is making a difference in our community. Every month, we have teams that are serving at our local rescue mission, providing food and meeting practical relief efforts for those in need. We also want to lean into the organizations that we're serving and partner with them as well. So when you give, your resources are going towards providing the food and other supplies that we serve when we're there. We strive to be a church not just in the community, but for the community as well. Our construction teams are also giving their time and talents all year long, helping to serve those with issues that they can't fix or afford to fix themselves. Your generosity makes it possible for us to buy the materials and equipment so that God can use us to provide practical and tangible impact to so many in the Black Hills. There are two ways that you can join us today. The first is to join one of our serving teams. From serving meals to heavy construction, we have many opportunities for any type of schedule. You can sign up online, on the app, or in the Next Steps area each weekend. Also, you can give. God can use our resources to do so much more than we could ever do on our own. It's an easy way to make a huge impact right away. You can give online, in our app, or in the blue boxes at all of our locations. We hope you'll join us and show anyone and everyone in the Black Hills that they matter to God. David, our lead pastor, will be up shortly to share today's message. So if you've checked your child into our kids' ministry, be sure to have your phone on vibrate just in case they need to get a hold of you. Also, if you have a child with you and they're getting a bit restless, we have a room just off the lobby where they can roam around freely and you can still share in the experience with us. Thank you to all of you who serve weekly, give generously, and pray consistently. God truly is using you to make an impact as we all go through life together, showing the Black Hills who Jesus is.
Hey, everybody. Uh, we're asking a question as a church. Uh, it's something I think you've asked. In fact, I have yet to meet a human being that uh, hasn't asked this at some time in their life. Simply put, why am I here? Uh, most of us, I don't know if you've given up answering this or trying to answer this, but most of us have sought after this. In fact, you might even be at uh, church this weekend going, why am I here? Uh, sometimes we show up to work going, why am I here? If you really want to get open about this, sometimes, in the midst of a relationship that is so important to us, but we don't feel it like we used to feel it, sometimes we begin to wrestle with, why am I here? What's the purpose of this? What's the meaning? And so we opened up a conversation, just so you know it's been opened up. If you missed the first week, you can go watch that. Uh, but I don't want to go over it all right now, because that's two sermons in one. Well, actually, no, never mind. I won't do two sermons in one, but... but why am I here? We answered it. So I thought if you missed it, I would just give you the short answer, the, the sermon summed up. It's very simple. Here, here. You're here to know Jesus and to make him known. Now, I know not all of us, especially the kind of church that we're at, not all of us have landed here yet. Maybe you're uncertain or maybe you don't really know exactly what you think about Jesus. But what I would tell you is no matter what you believe, this is the truth is that you were, you were born to know your Savior. You were born, I'll tell you this, with a craving, a craving to know your Savior, Jesus Christ. But then oftentimes, we as Christians say, yeah, I got that, it's amazing, but we stop. We don't really share it with many people, and we, we get a bit complacent and apathetic. And I would tell you, you're, why you're here in short is to know Jesus and to make him known. In fact, here's, here's where we looked at with Jesus' life but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Jesus is talking about, like, if, if, you, if you learn him, know him, commit to him, you'll find that craving satisfied. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So we talked about it as a church. Like, if Jesus is this metaphorical, this idea of this water that will satisfy this inner craving that you and I have, but also this eternity thing, then we need to get Jesus. The message of Jesus everywhere we possibly can. Jesus said this a different way. I just thought I'd show it to you. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. I know oftentimes we like to say, you know what, I think all religions are the same, and they all go to the same place. They all talk about the same thing. They're all unified. And actually, if you just lean into Jesus, Jesus would tell you, no. So, why are you here? What is your purpose? When you wake up and, and the alarm goes off, some of you enjoy that, some of us do not. <laughs> when you wake up and you go about your day, maybe when you see the loved ones in your life, or maybe when you cross paths with an enemy, have you ever considered that you are here on planet Earth for a very specific reason. And it's not as connected to your vocation as you think it might be. It's deeper than that. So I used the shovel the first week. Used the shovel to describe what a well is, what you and I are supposed to do with our lives. Here's the definition of our well. An opportunity for someone to know who Jesus is. 
If you want to know what you should be doing, what I should be doing, no matter what our vocations are, if you love Jesus, if you know Jesus, then our role then in life, why am I here, what are we doing, is, is to dig wells for people so they would know who Jesus is. Let me help you. You're, you're right now at a well. <laughs> I know you're like, I don't see it. No, a well is an opportunity to know who Jesus is. And, and churches for years upon years have been doing services, they're called where we gather on the weekend and uh, we learn who Jesus is. But wells go bigger than that, broader than that. If you, if you parent, you're supposed to be creating these moments for your kids to know who Jesus is. If you're married, you know your, your job as a married person is not just to get all that you want. It's to show that person who Jesus is. If you work, the opportunity's there. See, they're all over the place. But I left something out the first weekend. I can ask you the question. I mean, this normal, like, why am I here? Why am I here? And most of us have wondered that. But you can't get to that unless you answer another question. Who has your heart? Who has your heart? Because your answer to that, listen, will determine if you ever do get to why you're supposed to be here. Who has your heart? Now, just so you know, you can actually... uh, you can love multiple people at the same time. I, I, let me draw. I've given my heart. I remember very vividly March 15th, 2003. I remember the date because that was when I was on a stage at a church. My dad was leading the ceremony, and I was, I was formally handing my heart over to my wife, declaring it, making it legal, but saying, you have my heart. What I thought was, oh, this is cool. How could I love another person? I mean, this, this is amazing. But I remember when Hayden was born. I remember going, I don't know how to be a parent. I don't know how to be a parent. Am I going to love this kid the way I'm supposed to love this kid? Then the kid was born. And I was like, oh, my. I would die for you. Then I was like, Katie says, hey, we're going to have another kid. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I, I, I was like, this, how can I love Katie? And how can I... Love, hate, it. and another. What, what if I don't? What if I run out of love? Well, when Ellie was born, not a problem. When I held her, she got my heart too, right? Then Katie says, We're having another one. I was like, No, we are not. <laughs> and Titus was born, and I was, I was not short of love. See, all of us have experienced these moments where you, you give your heart, and sometimes it goes great, doesn't it? And sometimes it does not. And I know many of us think, okay, we're supposed to love others, love people well, and, and, and you and I ought to. And that's a part of what we're supposed to do here. But I can tell you about another moment when I was six years old. We had church, and I came home and was in my room, and my mom walked in, and I asked my mom if she would sit on the bed with me and, and help me ask Jesus into my heart. Those were the words I used. If that's new to you, like a person into you? No, I, was, I, I believe that Jesus loved me. I've been told Jesus loved me, and at six years old, I believed as much as I could about that. And my mom helped me pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come into my heart. And since then, I have loved him. But, but maybe you'll sympathize with me. I need to tell, I just need to fess up to you. I love my wife. 
But I have days I am a bad husband. Anyone? Okay. I love each of our kids so much. But I hope some of my days with my kids where I have maybe raised my voice in ways I should not have. Or maybe I gave more attention to a movie or TV show than, than I should have. I have days that I love my kids, but I am not always a good dad. And I definitely have days that I have pledged my love to God, but I have days, maybe more than days, that my lifestyle and the way I act out does not communicate a true love that my heart has actually been given to God. Just help me feel better. Has anyone, does anyone sympathize or does anyone, has anyone ever experienced where you, with your, with your heart, you're like, hey, I love this person or I love God, but, but then that day didn't play out that way, right? Most of us have like, I, I want to make these great decisions. I really mean what I'm saying. And, and, and then time happens and you're like, I didn't do that well at all. In fact, I need a redo kind of a day. That's, that's most of us. It's, in fact, most of us, especially with God, most of us want to have this time. I mean, it's why we're at church. You at least have some interest in God. And we're like, you know what? I love what God has done for me. I love God. I'm going to be devoted to God. And then Monday happened, and then Tuesday happened. And you're like, did I even mean what I said? Oh, no. And I, I can get after it. We need to get after this because many of us are going to say, you know, I want to show people who Jesus is. Yeah. Have you ever considered that as soon as you say that, you and I, both of us, we're, we're going to face opposition. As soon as you declare that you recognize that you truly know why you and I are here, the opposition. Uh, an author that I respect said this, and I think it gets at all of us are trapped by addiction to a desire for something less than God. I think all of us have this, this craving, this craving for God, craving for God, the one true God, to be in a relationship with God. But then we go about trying to satisfy that craving. Oh, there's tons of ways to do this, correct? We don't need to go through all the details, but there's tons of ways to try to... Satisfy this craving. You and I were born with it to, to know God and to make him known. And then we get, well, we get uh, distracted. <laughs> distracted by something that says, hey, this is great. You're going to like this. Or this is faster. This is better. This is going to give you what you want. All of us have done this. In fact, some of us are like, I, mean, you, I, I read you quote it. It talks about like this addiction, and some of us are like, I don't have an addiction. You know that's the first thing that people who are addicted say, just so you're clear. Uh, uh, I think, I think the majority of us, the majority, maybe all of us, fight against an addiction. And there's a long list of what those are. But they are cravings that are far less than God. And here's the danger. Our biggest addictions become idols. What we begin to say that we need and crave and go after begins to be an idol. Now, I know many of us are like, I have not used the word idol, maybe American idol, but we haven't used the word idol quite a bit. And you're like, idol, I don't know what it, and, and I know idol is, is, has all these different connotations to it. If you grew up in church like I did, I mean, that was like basic language idol. <laughs> but I thought I'd show you. Let me show you a definition. Anything you look to do, what only God can do. 
Anything you look to do, what only God can do. See, now I think, I think all of us can say, I think we all can say, I got, I, I'm, I've, I've faced this. I've wrestled with this. An idol. I'll go into more descriptions here in a moment. But I wonder if you're like me at all, where there's days where there's something else in your life that you're treating like a God that's not even a God. Do you know that God knew this? Do you know that God knew that you and I would wrestle with this? In fact, let me read something that you know. You already know this. Most of us know this. This. You've seen this. If you're like, what is this? Well, this is a part of the Ten Commandments. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. It's part of the Ten Commandments if you don't know that. If you're like, what order? I'm glad you asked. One and two. Now, here's what I've learned is the Ten Commandments have a very bad rap these days. Because there's a, there's a crew of our culture who demands that they be put somewhere else, put in front of things. Yet, oftentimes, those same crew are unwilling to live by them. The Ten Commandments. Do you ever pay attention to the order of them, one and two? And, and there's, there's, they're listed. And I'm not suggesting that they're all, that's important. I do think it's a big deal what's one and two. I find it fascinating that a group of people who have been in slavery for a long time, they've been in bondage, they've, they've been trapped by, by lots of things, but by a group of people, and they're freed up. God lets them out, and then he gives them a set of rules. I do not believe to say, ha ha, I put you back into another level of slavery. You see, I think God knew something. I know that he knew it. Here's what I know, and you know it too. We cannot live fulfilled when our hearts are in the wrong place. And God knew it. God did not give us a set of rules to be like, I just am in the mood to give you rules. I think he's always cared about our hearts. I think God has always craved for you and I to actually care about him because he cares about us. And unfortunately, some of us grew up in a tradition where it was all about the rules and you thought that was it. That if you just followed the rules right, well then God liked you. And if you didn't, then you were disqualified. God has always, he always will, care about your heart, and he wants you to care about his heart. He actually craves a relationship. So when you and I begin to dive in, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is this all about? You have to ask, you have to lean in to where your heart is. Who has your heart? Because if you can't answer that, or if you answer it in a way that's not healthy, you're going to struggle landing any place that is the right place. Don't raise your hand on this, but my guess is you've given your heart to the wrong person before. <laughs> and you ended up in the wrong place. You've given your heart to something else and ended up in the wrong place. Now, you don't have to fight this fight. Do you know what God has been fighting for your heart before you were ever born? God, who loves you, cares about you more than you and I can ever. We, we just don't even get it, I don't think. But he loves you. And I thought I'd show you something because I'm amazed that we're not all taught what I'm about to teach you or show you. But you need to know that God has constantly been trying to show you and I that, that he wants your heart and you don't need to give your heart to other things that, that, will, that will jeopardize that, that you can give, give him your heart and, and that will actually make your, your marriage thrive and, and parenting thrive and, and work thrive and life will mean something. And, and in fact, 
that crew that was in slavery that, that he freed. Uh, if you read the Bible about the whole uh, freeing process, uh, God, God used the guy named Moses and brought uh, ten plagues. Perhaps you've never read the story, but you've seen the movies uh, where there's these ten plagues. And there is a lesson inside the ten plagues. If you didn't, I don't know if you ever wondered the ten plagues. Like, how did he choose them? Like, was it just random? Was it just like what was in his mind? He was trying to be creative. Let's do ten different things. Oh, no. If you don't know this, all ten plagues were an effort for God to show the people those aren't real gods. They don't satisfy what you want. I do. Let's nerd out for a little bit. I don't know if you're a nerd. I'm a nerd. We're kindred spirits. If we are nerds, here we go. This is a god, or a fake one, but at the time, way back then when they were slaves, they worshipped the god of the Nile, the Nile River, if you remember geography class. Uh, there's the god of the Nile. They worshipped the god of the Nile. Do you know that God brought a plague to try to free his people? He turned that god into blood. If you're not catching, he's saying, hey, I know you worship this uh, God. Uh, I have a power and authority over that. I want your heart. You don't have to give your heart to this river. Hmm. Then the plagues, they kept happening. Uh, this is a God of, God of fertility. They would worship the God of fertility. Uh, if you're wondering, like, fertility and frogs, David? I don't know. Uh, this figurine, this idol, the head of it, was a frog, and they worshipped. If they wanted to have babies, they would go to get this idol, put the idol in their home, and worship the idol so they could have babies. And God's like, no, that's not how it happens. And so he inundated them with frogs, going, I have authority. I have authority. I want your heart. Don't give your heart to this fake God. Well, I told you there's ten, so we just keep going. The, uh, God of the earth, they worship this God of the earth. Uh, Literally, they would worship dust. So God sent lice from the dust of the earth, saying, I'm actually the one in authority. I want your heart. You don't worship this. God of creation. They had a separate God for earth and creation. And you're like, flies again. Well, this, this God had the head of a fly. So God is so creative. And I think has a sense of humor. And he's like, I know you think that has authority, but if you give your heart to this fake God of creation, you're going to be dissatisfied. You're going to find yourself in the wrong place, and you're not going to know what life is all about. So he sent a bunch of flies to say, hey, guess who has true authority over them? He sent more flags, uh, plagues, the uh, love and protection God. Um, again, livestock, I know this doesn't make sense. This God had the head of a cow. Some of you, I know, you're like, that's not how I would make it. I understand that. So God sent him a disease that, that killed all the Egyptians' livestock. Saying they don't, that God doesn't have authority. I, I do. I, I am the all-powerful, one true God. They didn't listen, so he had to keep sending plagues. They're God of medicine. So God sent boils and sores. See, many of us thought the plagues were random. God was saying over and over and over, what you are idolizing has no power. Another plague. The, they worshiped the God of the sky. And so God sent hail, literally, from the sky. Saying, mm -mm, the sky's mine. I control it. Uh, 
God of storms and disorder. That's what they worship. So he sent locusts to kill all the crops. Once the crops were all killed, they had no food, and everyone freaked out. Have you ever seen a snowstorm in South Dakota and been to a grocery store? God was like, no. I want your heart. I want you to not mess up. I want you to not throw your life away. You know, that's what he was saying. He wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't being a cruel God. He was saying, hey, you're living a pointless life, a wasted life. You are following things that do not have power or authority and do not care about you. In fact, over and over and over, he's going, I have that power that you think that thing has. They, uh, they worship the sun. And so God said, all right, then I'll turn it off for a few days. And God brought darkness, saying, no, I'm the one in control of light and darkness. Unfortunately, the first nine plagues did not work. They did not get it. They didn't follow suit. They just kept being stubborn. You and I, we're, we're, we know what stubborn means. And so perhaps what some would call the cruelest of cruel ones. They worshipped Pharaoh. Pharaoh was known as the god of power. He was their leader. And he was considered to be a god. So if you don't know it, in fact, God even gave the Hebrews an out from this where they didn't have to encounter and you need to know that the firstborn sons were killed. The firstborn were killed, which meant the next Pharaoh was killed. And I don't know what your opinion is of the plagues. Oftentimes people will read them and be like, that seems like a mean God. My interpretation is that's an incredibly loving God, that he would intervene 10 times. 10 times saying, I want your heart. What you're giving your life to is fake. It's a fraud. It won't give you what you want. It's so telling what happened then. So I'll ask you a question I've already asked you. Who has your heart? Who's got it? Someone's got it. Something's got it. Something has you. Someone has you. The most. The Bible says you can only serve one master. You can't serve two. You can't serve three. You can only serve one. Who has your heart? Who, who, when you wake up, gets priority over everything? God's fighting for your heart. In, in, this, in the verses where it talks about, hey, don't, don't worship other gods. Don't create idols. I want to show you more of what this says. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. You're obviously saying that I'm, I'm highlighting a few words. And if you ever want, like, how do I make sure that, that if, if you want, if you want God, the one true God, the real God, not the, not the sun God or the fertility God or the, or the dust God. Uh, if you want to worship the one, the only true God, you take this first and begin to press it into your life. Let me show you how to press this in. You take key words like bow. An idol is anything you obey more than God. Just begin to process. Who do you obey more than God? Some of us would have to create a list, and it's a long list. Some of you might put my schedule. <laughs> That's what I obey more than God. Who, maybe it's a person. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's other people's opinions bow, an idol. 
Let me, the word uh, worship, an idol is anything you trust more than God. Maybe, maybe this resonates a bit more. Where you're like, okay, okay, trust. Who do you trust? Let me, let me help. Let's say, and this is hypothetical, let's say the government were to shut down for a long time. <laughs> Who do you trust more? I think, and for the sake of losing some of you, but that's fine. I think some of us trust our government more than we trust God. I think some of us trust money more than we trust God. In fact, uh, let me really, let me, let me just be mean almost. Uh, I think some of us trust our rights more than we trust God. And we think if we can get the right rights put into place, then all of society will settle down. Read history. Some of us actually worship the God of rights. There's one more word there. Jealous. An idol is anything you love more than you love God. And if you, let me help you put in some words. Perhaps you love yourself more than you love God. I mean, we live in a culture now, right, that says you need to love yourself first and foremost, right? You know that Scripture says actually we're supposed to love God first. That if you love yourself first, you're going to make decisions out of that. You're going to dive into your cravings where you're going to think that you're, because you're loving yourself, that you're going to take your cravings, what you want, what feels right to you, and you're going to live that out, and you're going to find yourself in the wrong place. I just want you leaning in. Perhaps you have idols in your life. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's rights. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's the opinions of others. Maybe it's celebrity. It's fame. Maybe it's just being a victim. Maybe you love the attention you get with all the problems you talk about in your life to where you think, if I just always have a problem, people are going to cater to that problem. Do you see the different things that we, we make more important? We trust more than we trust God. Let me show you the ugly part of this. It's what I would call the opposite of Christianity. The opposite of Christianity is not atheism. Huh. It's idolatry. The worship of idols. Many of us think that the best thing to do is to, is to debate an atheist. I would say, no, let's get rid of the idols. If you were to read your Bible from beginning to end... Here's what I would tell you the Bible's going to teach you, is that the main thing that begins to go in opposition against us and lead us astray is when we actually begin to satisfy cravings that we should never satisfy. Hmm. If you want to live this life on purpose, the way God intended and the most fulfilling kind of life, decide that you want to lean into God and not other things first. There's something I haven't read to you. It's, it's what God started with. Now, now, I know many of us, you grew up like, okay, there's rules. This is maybe your first time in church. You're like, see, the pastor's reading the rules again. And no, it's all about the rules. It's not all about the rules. Let me, let me show you. This is what he said before the rules, just so you're clear. Before the rules. I am the Lord your God. I think he's probably thinking, and you're going to forget that. So i got to put some rules in place just to kind of help you remember that. I am the Lord your God. Who rescued you? Who rescued you 
do you see before he ever lays down like, hey, no other gods, no idols. Here's a set of, I mean, 10 rules, which isn't even that many, but you know, I've rescued you. If, you, if, if there's subtext to this, he's saying, hey, hey, guess what? I freed you. I, he's not saying, and so, you, so now pay me back. He's not saying, no, 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 no. He's saying, I have proven my love for you. I have proven that I care about you. So I rescued you. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. If you missed the first week, I'll give you a little bit more of a summary. We as a church have decided that life as it is, is not the best. And that the most fulfilled life is for you and I to help people know who Jesus is. And I am delaying telling you the details of how we as a church are going to invite anyone and everyone to be a part of showing people Jesus is. If you're here the first week, you're like, when's the detail week? Not this week. Because if you and I start to show people who Jesus is, but at the same time have our hearts given to other things and other people, we're going to break down. And I would argue, do more damage than we intended to do. God loves you so much. He fights for your heart. Before you wake up, God already has a plan to fight for your heart all day long. Some of us need to quit making him fight so much and just let him have it because he wants to rescue you from a life of unfulfillment, of a life of shame, a life full of regret, or a life of apathy. If you're interested, what if we took this verse and twisted it enough to make it very personal to where you might say something, something like this. You are the Lord my God who rescued me from slavery. Here's what, I'll, here's what I'll teach you, a basic life lesson. If you would put this in front of you each day, you'd be less apt to give your heart to the wrong places and the wrong people. Let me explain something. Uh, today, people are gonna get baptized and it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna celebrate. But oftentimes when people are baptized, we're like, what are they doing? I'm not sure. And oftentimes even people getting baptized are afraid. They're like, what if I... What if I screw this up? What if I'm not perfect tomorrow and we get to tell them the privilege, you will not be perfect tomorrow? And if you are, uh, the next day won't be. People getting baptized are not saying that they've locked into a life of perfection and, and just watch them because everything will be perfect. They're saying there is one God and I choose him. They're saying I'm gonna give my heart to the one true God when God said he's the only God, when Jesus said specifically, there is no other way to God except through Jesus, people being baptized are saying, I believe that. And just like you and I, normal people, they're gonna have days that they don't live it out the way they should. Because you and I don't live it out the way we ought to. But isn't that the beauty of grace and mercy? So here's what I'd like to do. 
Uh, we're going to celebrate people getting baptized. If you don't know how to celebrate, you just get loud. You get loud. When they come out of the water, you don't understand the symbolism. In essence, they're saying all the old idols, all the old stuff, all the old, it's gone. I'm washing it off, coming up a new person, saying, no, there's one true God and I follow him. I'm a new creation because of God. That's what they're saying. But here's the deal. Some of you came to church maybe to watch or you didn't even know you were coming to baptism, but you're supposed to be baptized. Yeah. Perhaps you're in this moment now. You're like, wait a minute. I think, I think maybe I've been surrendered to other idols or other gods and I've not been walking with God and following God. And, and now I, I believe there's one God. I'm going to follow him. But according to scripture, you, you then declare it with your mouth. You, I, I've I choose you, God. And then you display it with baptism. So here's the deal. If you didn't come prepped, we were already prepped for you. <laughs> We've got clothes in the back for you to change into so you don't have to get your clothes all, all wet somehow. And you can get baptized today. You can walk it out today, what you just heard from God, that he's the one true God and you believe it. So I invite you that if, if that's you, if you think that I'm staring at you, I am. No. No, I'm not. But I know there are some of us who God is speaking to. And today is the day that you weren't supposed to just come to church. You were supposed to publicly declare what you actually believe. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to move into that time. Okay? Would you bow your heads? God, we surrender these, this time to you. Uh, God, I just want to acknowledge now that there's only you. <laughs> There are no other gods with power and authority. There are no other gods with fulfillment, joy, and peace. You are the only God, the one true God. And God, what's incredible that you, you are the one true God and you intervened into our lives. You came and met us. God, so we just, we just acknowledge that right now, that you, you're the one true God and that you love us and we believe that you love us, Lord. Lord, I pray for those right now who have never asked you to have their heart. Or perhaps now they would be prompted to do such a thing, to invite you into their lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never invited God into your heart, you're like, how do I do this? Just here's some, here's some words. You can just privately say this to God. God, I want you in my life. Would you come in and forgive all my sins? Would you purify my heart? Would you consume my heart? God, I devote my life to you. I believe you are the one and the only. That you came to this earth for me. I believe that. I accept that. I'm going to live that out. God, I am yours. You have my heart. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm excited about this opportunity that we have, this moment and this time right now to celebrate exactly what Pastor David was walking out. And we are, we're ready for you. And if there is a prompting in your heart and you just feel that tug that says, that's me, I want to encourage you to take that step. Be bold. Don't leave here knowing that you felt called to be baptized 
right across from me, there is a door that is open and we have amazing volunteers that are ready to engage and talk with you, to hear your story, to get you set up and ready to be baptized and declare it tonight. And part of that opportunity that we have is to not just celebrate those that are right here in this moment, which we're gonna have here in a second, but you play a part in that. Because we don't do life alone, we do life together as a community, together as a family. And it's so exciting to think about what that means for you because there are people that you're like, oh, I didn't know they were gonna get baptized tonight. You have the opportunity to engage them, to encourage them, to let them know that you're excited about what God is doing in their life. Because as they declare that Jesus has their heart, you are going to walk alongside to encourage them, to give them a hug, to, to check in on them and say, how's it going? And we're gonna read some words together to declare that. And I wanna invite you to share that alongside of me as we let them know that they, man, what they're doing is awesome. But if that's you, go now, and we're gonna go ahead and read these words together. Would you join me? It says, we will love those getting baptized today and celebrate this awesome moment in their life. We will give all of our support to them and walk with them on their journey. And we will go all out to welcome them into God's family today and every day. All right, I have Sydney, correct? Shelby, Shelby. So I'm sorry, Shelby. All right, Shelby, does Jesus have your heart? Completely. All right, are you ready to go ahead and live intentionally for him each and every day? Yes. All right, Shelby, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Way to go. Awesome job, We're going to continue to watch our friends get baptized together. But as we do that, we're going to sing a few songs. So if you would, go ahead and stand with us as we sing. Precious compassion that pours from the wounds that have won our salvation. Sin was strong. But the Savior is stronger. Come, let us worship Him. Great was the death that we owe, and how high was the price of our. the word 
every step I collide Like a tired wave Crashing over me Rushing in to meet me Found. It's through it all, you never let me down It's the truth, you don't hold back, relentless in pursuit And every turn, I come face to face with you getting ready to be baptized. So we're just going to keep singing as, as we do that today.
we celebrate what God did here tonight? Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this with us and watching our friends declare their faith in front of us. It's just, every time is just so special. Well, hey, we love you guys. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time.